Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Anime Chronicles. My name is Christian Ingram, and today in the co-host seat is my friend from Nerdflex, Levi. Hey, everybody. What's going on? And today we have a very special guest with us. Um, he's been in so many amazing animes. You might know him from his roles. Uh, uh, such a, I'm trying to think of which ones to say because there's so many great ones. Um, I can think of one. <laughs> The, the main one you will Just know. make one up. D Digimon <laughs> Digital Monsters. He played Ty. The, the, oh, the epitome of people's childhood. How are you doing today, Mr. Joshua Seth? I am great. Just finished cutting my hair here in quarantine. My own hair, mind you. Wow, so. you did good. Didn't even cut my ear or that. anything. Yeah, yeah. Is, not that, that brave. <laughs> is that the first time you've cut your hair? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows uh, what I might have hijinks I might have gotten into when I was like a toddler. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, First time doing it on purpose. That's fair. I thought about doing mine. I was like, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's going to look awful if I even try. So I'm not going to attempt it. But how is uh, quarantine well, been treating you? I'm, 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 I've been sitting here. Honestly, the last time I was out was to record the next Digimon movie, Kazuna. And and that was a while ago. I have been here a long time. So I'm in for the duration. I have snacks. Woohoo! <laughs> snacks are always good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, first and foremost, thank you for joining us today. And let's just get into just to a couple questions. Um, okay. How, how did you get started with voice acting? Because Digimon came out in, what, 99? And that was the first thing I think I've heard you in, in like, you left an impact on people's childhood, but how did all this get started? Thanks. Uh, well, my first voiceover happened long after the the beginning. The be Let's go in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> okay. And we're there. Digimon. Oh, huge. Number one anime. And actually, number one uh, cartoon on Saturday morning television. Starring it at, you know, like, flashbulbs, Hollywood lights, you know. Way back. Yep. Right, way back before that. First uh, voiceover um, role, like seven years before that, a commercial uh, for Disneyland. Uh, way back before that, when I was real little, I did a lot of musical theater for touring Broadway casts. And I grew, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, but that had a pretty big dinner theater, like really big actually, and all the touring... Broadway shows would come through and need to hire a local kid for the kid role. It's like the first one I did was for the touring cast of Yul Brenner's The King and I. Uh, and I played the child lead in it, Prince Chella Longcorn. And I was doing eight shows a week, eight weeks, eight week, eight week runs from the time I was eight until high school. So I learned to sing. That was really how it started, was the, the vocal training and experience from being on stage. And I'm not the only voice actor to have that sort of a background. There's a lot of us that have a background in, in musical theater or at least singing or vocal training of some kind. Right. Yeah, it seems like a lot of voice actors, that's where they start. I listened to a podcast, um, Voice Acting Mastery with Crispin Freeland. And Freeman, yeah. I've heard mm -hmm. many interviews where that's where people started, but doing eight shows and you said eight shows a week. Yeah. Eight shows a week, uh, two on, what was it? Matinee on, on the weekends. I think that, that has dark, to be a dark lot. on dark on Mondays. 
That must have tired you out as a kid. Good Lord. Uh, kids have a lot of energy, right? <laughs> but it taught me good work ethic, taught me, you know, to be a professional in regards to, you know, my life, my performing ethic, my work ethic and everything when I was really young. I think that's important. Kids these days, they need to get a paper route. They- <laughs> Sitting there, with their, sitting there with their iPads and their video games, playing Roblox and what, flossing. <laughs> Roblox. We, we worked. <laughs> we had a paper route. <laughs> but yeah, I did, I did a lot of live performance before I got behind a microphone. And then, and then I shouldn't leave this out. My dad was a radio psychologist. Remember that old show, Frasier? Yeah, Yeah, so he was like a real Frasier, exactly. And uh, sometimes I would accompany him to work, which is the radio station, and I'd be in the studio and I'd look, you know, through the glass from the producer's side and be familiar in that environment. And then I'd go in sometimes behind the mic, on the mic, on uh, AM radio at that time. And when I went to film school later on uh, at NYU, I went to a place called Tisch School of the Arts for film, TV, and radio training. I had my own radio show because, you know, I was coming from a small town in the Midwest. Suddenly, I'm bright lights in the big city of New York. And the only thing that was known to me was the radio station. So that sort of was kind of like a something familiar that I went to and got, you know, more experience. All of this happened before I went to L.A. and got an agent and got any kind of bookings. I feel you on that. I'm from Indiana myself, so I know what it's like coming out from the Midwest to I go to school in New York at BMCC right now too, so it's definitely. You can Where's that? that up, upstate? No, it's in it's in Manhattan. It's our oh, oh nice. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yo, that's that's awesome though. So you've you've been basically been in front of a audience or mic your whole entire life. Yeah, pretty much my whole life. That's why this is so weird to be locked in at home. If it weren't for these interviews and things, I don't know what I do. <laughs> Sit there and just open the window and start, you know, giving a show for passersby. <laughs> and then the cops are called. Yeah, I've never been home that. this long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have you uh, passed the time by watching any of the shows you were on? Go back and look, be like, dang, I did a no. really good job. Well, I can't say no entirely. My my kids are of the age where they're starting to be able to watch this stuff. And uh, my kids like this, this show that I did called Tokyo Pig which I doubt if anybody has seen this show, but it's pretty funny, um, especially if you're like not in your right mind. Like <laughs> most kids, most kids are not in their right minds. <laughs> so they, they like the Tokyo pig. And in the beginning, uh, uh, it's got this just bizarre opening where I, I play Spencer, the, the, the lead who has this, you know, pet pig. And uh, he's always, there's always some hijinks going on. He's always going, Wah! and stuff. They like that. Then they run around screaming and, as one does. That's, yeah. that's always fun. Yes. <laughs> that's what while, while I'm on a podcast interview or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name though. Tokyo pig. I can, I, I got to yeah. look that up after, after I'm on show. a lot of stuff that like has just disappeared somewhere, but you know, some enterprising uh, viewer might see. I always, like the other one I always stuff. bring up is, is, um, it, it's called honeybee hutch. Nobody's ever found honeybee hutch, but I'm going to say it again. Dag nabbit, which is, uh, so I played Hutch, the title character, for like 64 episodes. It was my first like oh, wow. long form starring role in anything. Yes. Way obviously, way early on in my career, and it was by Saban, which has that's my connection to Power Rangers, which we'll get to, I'm sure, at mm-hmm. some point, given the name of this uh, enterprise that you're involved in. But it it was uh, produced by Saban, 
and it was really cute. It was for younger kids. And I, I don't know what happened to it. Like when, when Saban took over, uh, Fox kids, that's when Digimon was on. And that's when I got to be like the voice of the network for a while. Next on Fox Kids, in an all new Digimon or whatever the show. Yeah, uh, but then, oh, snaps. then you were the announcer voice for. I was the announcer voice. Yeah, what? yeah, the promo guy. And then for Kids WB after that, and I would then announce uh, Pokemon. Actually, <laughs> your rival. <laughs> That's right. Nobody knew that at the time. Wow, you really, uh, ingrained yourself in like. Millions of children all around. Yeah, I mean everybody's around. head. That's right. That's right. But anyway, when when Saban um, uh, sort of left the the business there, and Fox Kids was no more, I think some of those properties, some of those series, just sort of disappeared, and they haven't come back yet. But they will because now everything's online. Just a and matter of time. Coming back hard right now. I know. The last few years, that's uh, that's been great to get back involved in voiceover after I had uh, left Hollywood for a little while there. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. You came back for try. That was awesome. That was why. That was why, because I'd gone on the road with my live shows, shows and speeches, and I just I needed to get out of a recording booth for a while and and get out there and connect with people on stages and back to my roots. And then I, I just always thought, well, I'll I'll come back to L.A. when I get it out of my system, and I never got it out of my system. <laughs> and then and then uh, the when when Try was announced, they had even started. Recording. They'd even cast somebody to do my voice to, to do Ty. What? And voice match me. Yeah, yeah. But but the fans weren't having it. They started bombing no. me. That's right. They were like, did you hear about this? No, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And sending me stuff. And they started bombarding the studio with, you know, I hope you're bringing back the original voice cast kind of thing. Anyway, I got in touch with the people producing Try and said, hey, nobody told me about this. And they go, well, you know, we thought you retired. People come out of retirement. Like, how many times has Cher retired? Out of retirement? I mean, I'm not comparing myself to Cher. She could do a five-minute plank. I'm up to 29 seconds. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'll come back. Now we know about course. Cher's planking times. All right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, now. It's now. like 80. Oh, gosh. How was it like coming back for try though? Like, like how did, how did like that riding happen? a bike, like riding a bike. I just, yeah. I thought it'd been a while since I'd been away from a microphone, but it's a, a lifelong sort of, uh, passion, you know, to be on the mic, whether it's, it's, I wasn't really away from a microphone though, because I was on stage on mic. I have so many right. mics right now. I have a mic behind me. I have a mic on me and I have a mic above me that you can't see. Stuff. I'm very auditory. I've always listened. Actually, you know, I don't think I've ever told this story on uh, on one of these kind of interviews. Want to hear it on an exclusive? Oh, I want an exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So absolutely. I have a little issue with my left eye, with my left eye right here. And it does, it tracks fine and everything, but I was born with some blind spots in it. And so it makes reading difficult. I have to read out of my right eye and that'll give me a headache after a while. So I think that made me very auditory. And growing up, I would listen to things. I would listen to like old, old timey radio, you know, the serials and things like radio dramas, The Lone Ranger, Ovaltine Hour, stuff like that. And also, I had hippie parents, and we wouldn't watch any kid, any uh, TV for the kids. So I listened to stuff, and I, I tuned my ear. Between that and doing the the live shows, I, I really kind of 
I, I got what's called an ear, like what usually magicians, uh, um, musicians call having an ear. And so we'll I, like to, to I like magic, to take right? in, in, information that way. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really kind of what drove me in that direction. Oh, Taking your limitation and turning it into a strength. Yeah, yeah. Hell Twisting yeah. it, turn, turn, turn it, turn it into a positive. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That, that, that's cool, though, that you're surrounded by so many mics. Like, so you never really left, like, being in front of a mic. You've always, it, it, since birth, you've basically been in front of a mic. I know it's true. It paid off. I, so, hey. I was just I, I'm texting people today too because everybody's wanting to do shows and presentations online, and they don't know anything about you know the the differences. I mean, they don't know how to how to use their own instrument, which is we can get into that later because that's my new project is training people how to. Uh, sort of unlock their own voices, whether they want to be a voice actor or whether they just want to use it to be more influential and have more magnetic personality. It's, it's an instrument that we're never trained to use. And so I, I'm, I'm working on developing that since I'm home anyway, to train people how to use that. But there's another part of that, which is the equipment. Like I see you have, it looks like a Shure SM58. Uh, no, I sure, no, no, sure. Um, it's the, you got the one that Howard Stern uses, right? The SM7B. I also have seven B seven B. Yeah. I also That's have impressive, a uh, sir. You can look at that. Just <laughs> well, I can barely, I can barely see. I don't know why I said SM58. That's the one I use on, on uh, stage when it's plugged in. Yeah. The, the seven B that's a, an amazing mic. Mm -hmm. If your room is dampened enough for the tone, right. You have uh -huh. to have, you have to not have a, a hollow sound. It's very sensitive and you got to have a cloud lift or something like that to boost the signal. You got to have all a mixer, you know, people don't know this stuff. And then they're like, well, how come my Yeti blue sounds like oh my crap? Gosh. I'm I like, well, cause you don't know what you're doing. You know? you're a noob. Get out of here, kid. Yo, I understand. Maybe that's a little inside baseball for the for the viewers and listeners out there. But that's a whole side of voice acting that people don't mm -hmm. think about, which is mic technique and awareness of acoustics. Yeah, right. most definitely. I mean, like that's still something I'm still learning. Even doing this for three years, I had to learn everything about audio equipment. I built a sound booth mm -hmm. in my closet. Um, yeah, I, I once did that. Those are those are soundproofing panels behind me right there. Oh, those are. Oh, nice. I didn't That's even why my that. tone sounds nice and flat, even though I'm just in my office here. Oh, that's those help out a lot, though, because the sound is bouncing off the screen and mm -hmm. back to that wall and then back here. So yeah. that gives it lots of Loop. nooks and crannies to fall into. It's called deadening the sound. That's all this vocal training stuff. I'm at top of mind because I've I've been building it out for weeks while I'm sitting here isolated at home. <laughs> it's fresh. Well, yeah. at least you're doing something constructive with your time. I mean, I know that's what a lot of people are trying to do right now. But yeah, if you're, if I you're, couldn't, I couldn't watch the news anymore. You know, the first thing you do when when life goes out of control is you just freeze like a deer in the headlight, right? Mm -hmm. You just freeze and just stare at the news and eat buckets of ice cream, and then that <laughs> that can't last very long because you're going to no, cardiac no, arrest. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing is you start to panic. Oh no, when is it going to end? When, when am I going to be able to go out in public? That's right. You know, uh, it's never going to end. Of course it'll end. But you know, then the third thing, when you realize it will end at some point is, okay, how do I pivot? What, how, what can I do now so that I don't waste this time? I mean, that's not for everybody. Some people want to just chill and that's fine too, but it, it's an opportunity. I mean, usually we don't have time to sort of pursue our passions, develop our skills, sharpen the saw, that sort of thing. We do right now. 
Yeah, being productive is definitely key right now. That's what we've been yeah. trying to do. I mean, no reason to sit and be idle. Don't be stagnant. Yeah. Idle hands. That's <laughs> like they say in Virginia. Idle hands. Davis plaything. Right? That can be a local. Like that. Is, that, is that how that works? Yeah, that's right. I think that's how that Gibbs? works. I'm going to start calling you Jibs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for you that I'm yeah. super curious about. Did you, so when, the, when um, they approached you, I guess Fox, when the, when the Digimon movie came out in theaters, did yeah. you know that there was going to be like a big theatrical release coming or was it like a normal day in the office? And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, we're doing this. You mean for the movie or you mean originally when we did the series? There was no, no plan. The, the, the first, uh, yeah. the first movie for our war game. Yeah. Okay. So for the, when we started recording the first series, we had no idea it would be a big hit. Uh, it was just too early in the development of this genre. And then once it was, then they're like, well, how can we capitalize on this? You know, we need games, we need toys, we need merchandise, 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 merch. It's all about merch. There's a whole floor there uh, in the in the studio that was just devoted to merchandising. And they, we'd have meetings and things and uh, they would like, well, how, how can we get you guys to voice it and not pay you? So that's a whole nother <laughs> question. How do we save money and yeah, make money? That's right. Uh, but then... It soon turned to a movie. And once the movie was determined that we were going to do that, and they brought in my friend Jeff Nimoy to direct, which was fantastic. And they started bringing in craft services, which is food. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, it's nice. We got a chef. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's like, okay, uh, we've elevated the, the positioning here. And then we had like uh, the, the whole red carpet treatment on the Fox studios back lot. Like they sent me a, a limousine and there was entertainment Yay. night stuff interviewing. Yeah. It was real trippy. I'm like, how did I get here from where I came from in some small town in Ohio, staring out my window at cows and cornfields <laughs> to back lot of, of Fox studios with flashbulbs and microphones in my face and talking about the experience, the experience of recording the movie, you know, and then that kept happening, you know, with other, stuff it was really wild ride and then i'm like screw this i'm out of here and i want to go see the world then i went and traveled with my show to like 40 countries and and then now it all led me here to talk with you guys <laughs> i'm glad that your fame has led you to talk to levi this John moment here <laughs> made it my home with <laughs> my home done haircut here <laughs> oh man now when you started Digimon, did you ever think that 20, 25 years later it would be as big as it is right now with the whole try well, and uh, a new ga- uh, movie coming out? It's probably bigger now than it ever has. It's got worldwide reach all over the English-speaking world, at least for the version that we do. And just because of the renewal of online media and Netflix and Hulu availability over the years and then the fan support and all the fan pages on social media that I interact with on Twitter and Facebook all the time. It's, it's really grown like as a community of people with taste. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, for me, I think Digimon was the original one with the, with you guys was very nostalgic because it was about that 99 to early two thousands frame. Yeah. Early two thousands. It was hot. And then it kind of just went away. And so it was very, people yeah. had very fond memories, nostalgic with it. And then when it came back, you're getting all the kids and all the adults who used to love it. Right. And that's, that fan base just exploded with it's it. It's trippy for me to watch it with my own kids now. And there's a lot of stuff that I voiced, like Akira, for instance. Akira! That, yeah, that I, that I, I, I was Tetsuo on that, for those that don't know. Not and, actually, friendly, I, but awesome. Here, I, I have, yeah, not kid. Here's the, here's the DVD. 
Hey, I came prepared with props. Yeah. I won't show that to my kids, obviously, <laughs> but a lot of this other stuff I have. That's an yeah. iconic anime movie. That's like one of that's like the first big what introduced into Western culture anime movies. Yeah, it it typically is at the top of the list for most influential anime movies of all time. So it was the first that I you ever saw. That. That's wild. Yeah, because I I saw it when I was a film student in New York City. I saw the original streamlined dub, and it, that was like an art house thing because it wasn't a a genre that people knew yet. And it's what sort of made it click in my head that oh, what I'm doing on this radio show, I could do in Hollywood for commercials and for cartoons and for promos and all the stuff I ended up doing years later. It was it was watching Akira that put that together in my mind because before then I just thought, oh well cartoons are for kids, right? Bugs bunny. You know? Yeah. Eebity, 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 that kind of stuff. Please, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Digimon is Thank definitely you, Akira, for planting seeds so we got Ty. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, that's right. Years later. Now when you were going out for the role of Ty, like did you know that was who you would be casted as? Like did you see the Japanese see, version before you were casted? No, I never want to see what was done before because I don't want to be derivative. I want to bring my own take to things. So that's been a hard and fast rule for me all along. The only exception is I'll listen to the music because music gives you a sense of tone and pace. But I never want to listen to what's happening. I never want to know the story arc. I don't know what's whether this character is going to live or die. Nothing. I want to be in the moment just like we strive to be in life. I think it makes the performance better. It makes Absolutely. it seem what authentic. Is your, uh, what is your mindset when you're doing Todd? Because, you know, he's such a brash He's the leader, but he has such sincere, like heart to heart moments, too, where he's also the most caring. And so like, what is your mindset when he started growing his character? I think it's to be authentic. I mean, there's a acting voice acting is acting, right? It's a more rarefied form of acting. And to do it well, you need to bring yourself into it. It's not just a matter of being able to make silly voices. It's a matter of being able to connect with an audience and with the other characters in the scene through doing that. So I think the the practice of just being an authentic human being helps you to open up that communicative capacity in the acting. And I know that all sounds kind of heavy for Digimon, but after all, it was a pretty early example of animation where there weren't silly voices. There were real uh, relationships between the characters that grow over time. I mean, in Kazuna, they're like in college now in trial, they're in high school. So they're, they're growing and evolving over time. And those are uh, relationships that are gaining in complexity and they sort of mirror the arc of our own lives. It's one of the reasons I think that it's better than <clears throat> Pokemon because, because, because there's some growth in the characters well, and in the story. Try is so much more adult than the original series. Like it Even the music. Yeah. yeah. But of course the, the audience has grown up too. So I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like it grew up with us. Like we, I got to enjoy it for different things as an adult, like you could see, because it just got so much darker content and tried. It was awesome. And I don't want to throw the spoiler alert, but when you think Ty's like, oh, no, Ty, you're gone. And he's back. And it's just like, wow, yeah. they never would have done that in the original series, you know, back in the That's 90s. Right. So that was really cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I like how it came out. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think I'm excited for the new movie. That's, that's going to be phenomenal. I can tell you a story about recording it since I mentioned already that was the last time I was out of here. Want to hear? Of course. Yeah. All right. Dramatic pause. Let everybody take a drink. 
So, so I was supposed to complete the movie like end of March. Now, as we all know, end of March, everything was locked down. Mm-hmm. But yeah. back in February, it started to become apparent to those that were paying attention that this coronavirus was coming to America, like the old movie, coming to America. And uh, there'd been a cruise ship that had just been denied entry into the States or something like that. And when that happened, like right around when that happened, I uh, texted the head of the studio and said, look, I'm concerned that I'm either going to get out there and get stuck because I live in Florida now. Because why not? You know, I live at the beach. So I'm like, I don't want to get all the way out there, record this thing, get it in the can and then be stuck. And then how am I going to get back if they start issuing stay at home orders and canceling flights and all the stuff that ended up happening? If you clear some space on the schedule, can I fly out? I, I will fly out there tomorrow if you can do this. So he texts back. Yeah. The next morning, 7 a.m., I'm on a flight out to L.A. Unbeknownst to me, while I'm in the air, all of Los Angeles gets locked down. It was the first city in the country oh, yeah, to do that. Nobody, nobody knew that this yeah. was going to happen. I didn't know. I land. I take the Uber to the, to the hotel. I check in. I'm like, I'm a bit peckish. I'm a bit peckish. I'm going to go and grab me a bite to eat. And I walk out downtown Burbank, walking along the boulevard where there's like 100 restaurants and they're all boarded up and it's dusk and there's nobody on the street and there's nothing open and everything's boarded up with signs and things by order of the governor or whatever. And I felt like I was, uh, in that movie, was that Will Smith movie with the vampires? I am legend. I felt like I'm yeah. an, I am, I am legend. I'm walking around. There's nothing around <laughs> and nothing open. I don't know what was going on. So I was hungry and I go back to the hotel. I'm like, what, what, why, what's happening? And they explained it to me. And long story short, had dinner from a vending machine, went to the studio the next day. Everybody's running around. Don't come near me. Don't come near me. Social distancing. They recorded it. That's social, it was just starting like, like that day. <laughs> but the way that you record these things, of course, I'm on one side of the glass and anybody doing production is on the other side of the glass and never the twain shall meet. And so we were able to complete the movie and I flew back. And by the time I got back home, everything was changed. Bum, 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 bum. Now, so there's a potential chance this movie could have been pushed back even further if it wasn't. Either for pushed you back or they would have had to recast. Yeah. Dang. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't think anybody would have accepted them recasting Ty as anybody but you. Like, I don't. Nobody would have been like, that's okay. Nah, that would have been like, nah, well, we ain't doing this. Thank you for believing that. But that's only true when the fans make a big deal out of it. Otherwise, you know, sometimes the people making the decisions change and they don't necessarily know who, who recorded this or that. Like the, the, there are many layers in this Hollywood machine and the right. voice actor is just the forward facing yeah, I think they learned so their lesson after it. the Die Boromon movie. They were like, we need him every time. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever called me for that. It was because I was on the road. But, you know, I have a cell phone. So Yeah, it's not like in the olden times. Whatever. Yeah, I know this. It did bother Car- me. The right? carrier pigeon. The carrier pigeon came back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new movie, they say. There's, there's a new movie. On you didn't know where to send it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Still got the same number. Still got the same social media. 
Dang all right. Well, you're back now. Now, if they said anything, do you know any rumors that uh, you're going to be reprising Ty for the reboot that just came out? All I know is that the reboot has it was announced, and then they announced it was put on hold. Yeah, makes sense. yeah. And beyond that, I don't know. Nobody had contacted me for anything. So we'll take that one step at a time. I mean, everybody's focused on promoting and getting Kazuna out now that it's going to go direct to DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon. Oh, yeah. At least it'll be an easy way for people to get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll- streaming's the way to go, too. I think everyone's going to blow it up once it yeah. And And I'm doing these YouTube lives, so... Uh, the live streams, I should probably mention that. So I'm doing these U- YouTube live streams every week and fans are getting on and asking me questions. And when the movie comes out, you know, then I'll be able to talk more about it. But right now I feel like, okay, I probably should be quiet. People have gotten in trouble. Hush, hush. NDAs, exactly. So we're talking about other other stuff, but it's been really fun and, and learning how to do a live stream. Being able to interact with fans, which I used to only do at Comic-Cons has been great. And then I'm going to start working in some of the vocal training that I've been uh, working on to uh, teach people basically how to use that instrument. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You up on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, me too. Yeah. So I just look up and maybe put a link, put a link down below in the comment. Check it out. Yeah. Link down below. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's going to be awesome. I feel like live streams are the way to go right now. It's been fun. That's why I have this cool setup behind me with the lights and everything. Yeah, it looks really nice. Thank you. Thank you. This is all just the last few weeks while I've been home. An elephant. Yeah, I got that in Thailand. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Oh, it must have been from your travels. From my my tour, my show tour, yeah. I went all over the world for years. It was awesome. I'm a big uh, travel boat, too. Where's your favorite place? Oh, um, hmm. I mean, Thailand was really good. It's, it's, It's tough to find cheap safe and with lots of like historical significance and beauty so you know you could usually find two no well no yeah actually i did but i spent i guess most of that trip in bangkok i was doing i was headlining on a cruise ship i was doing a show on a cruise ship and we went to singapore and cambodia and a couple other places and back then i didn't have kids yet so when i'd get off of a ship somewhere I would just stay. I'm like, well, why do you need to fly me all the way home just to fly me to, I think I was going to Jamaica a couple weeks later. I said, oh, I'll just stay and hey, hang out. So that was fun. That was a good one. Uh, I really liked the the Middle East. I got to see the pyramids in Egypt and I got to go to the, the lost city of Petra. You know what that is? You know, where they built the whole city in the rock face and you, yeah, you have yeah. to oh, yeah. ride on a camel through it like an Indiana Jones. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I when I was in the military, I did a I did a deployment. We went to the Middle East. I had to go through the Suez Canal, through Egypt, and we went to yeah. Jordan and stuff. So I got to see a lot of that, and it's a uh, it's really breathtaking to see like something that exists. So that's not something we have here in America at all. That much history, it's very powerful, it's thousands of years old. And I had always been a fan of the David Lean movie Lawrence of Arabia, which takes place in that area, like in Jordan. So that was cool. Oh, and uh, maybe a year ago, I went to Quito. Have you ever heard of Quito in Ecuador? No. That was amazing. And that's not for everybody because the elevation is something like 10,000 feet above sea level. Oh, it's wow. a cloud city, basically. And the architecture's great, and the music's great, and the food's great, and there's active volcanoes that you can hike. The active volcanoes are great. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of it, really, it was really fun. Yeah. Peru was probably the highest one with elevation. I have not made that. Yeah, I do want to hike Machu Picchu. Oh, yeah, you got to do Machu Picchu. Get your cocoa leaves, start chewing them, and just hike that. that thing it's a awesome. long trip. 
yeah. Yeah. It's not a day trip for sure. But not a day fun. trip. Not a day trip. That's on the list, though. So it's still stuff to look forward to, right? Maybe I'll see you on the peaks of Machu Picchu one day. Yeah, well, I'll wave to you. <laughs> hey, hey, Jim. <laughs> Just don't push me off. Call that. Yes. Okay, it's a deal. It's a deal. Oh, man. So you've traveled a lot in the past since you started all this acting thing up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's been great. Look at you with your mask on there. Isn't that crazy? We can go into stores with masks on and they don't think we're going to rob the place. I, it's so weird. Whenever a customer comes in, I have to wear this. It's like you yeah. have to pop it on and they don't have to, but it's just like, yeah. it's so weird. It's like, I'm not here to rob you. I just want to sell you things. I swear. It's the opposite. I mean, but if you were there to rob them, no one would know. <laughs> Who would know? The world's crazy yeah. right now. That's right. Yeah. That, that's coming. We, I'm sure we have that to look forward to. And people right, put we kind of hopped all over the place, but I kind of want to backtrack because I'm super we're Power Ranger nerds. You yeah, yeah. You brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about Alpha 5 and how you got hooked up with Saban. Yeah. So here I got my – this is one of my signature cards that I do like at the Comic-Cons. Yeah. So this one here is Alpha 5. I think it's going to go out of focus if I go in, though. I, I see so, the little guy. I started in animation for Saban. I was already doing voiceovers, like for commercials and things. But I did a couple of shows for Saban, like I was starting to mention earlier. And then one of the producers recommended me to fill in for an actor named Richard Horovitz. Richard Horovitz was, as far as I know, the first voice actor to do Alpha 5, which sounds like this. Ay, ay, ay. And I remember driving up the the freeway north, pretty far north of Los Angeles, where they used to do Power Rangers off of McBean Parkway in Valencia, which if you don't know L.A., it's not L.A. <laughs> you know, this big warehouse thing up there in the middle of nowhere. Well, there was a theme park up there, Magic Mountain. Mm-hmm. They just had this, this big property up out in the middle of nowhere. And um, the big empty sets – and, and I went in uh, to record it, and I'd never seen Power Rangers or anything yet, uh, but I had, like, an image and a scratch track, scratch track, something that, like, a, a previous voice actor will lay down to match. Uh, and then I started voicing Power Rangers from there, but I only saw it later after after I had finished voicing it. I, I had no idea what I was doing, as is typical. I had no idea what I was voicing while I was voicing it. Only later did I come to realize that. So you didn't even have like a picture of Alpha? You just, they were just like here. I, yeah, no, no, I did. I did. Okay. Yeah, I had that. I had a reference point, but I didn't understand. I think, I no, I remember somebody telling me it's like Godzilla. I'm like, huh? I'm like, it's like, it's like Godzilla where everybody's like, you know, like fighting and, but you can't see their mouths. And like, they, they gave me some really weird description. It's not like Godzilla. (laughs) No, not really. But that, but, but don't forget, this was the very beginning of anime and the very beginning of power Rangers. So like now you could say it's like power Rangers or it's like Pokemon or something like that. Right. But Mm. back then they had nothing to compare it to. So I guess they said that's like Godzilla. They gave me information that made no sense. So I just went with what I had and I had a scratch track. So I knew what Richard's sound was and just matched it aye, 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 like that. And, uh, and, and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I actually got, and I had forgotten it for a while till fans brought it up actually through comic cons and things. 
Oh man, that's that's super awesome because Alpha is one of the most iconic characters. I actually got to meet uh, Richard a couple months ago, right before. He's all, awesome, dude. He's amazing. I, right before all this lockdown stuff happened, uh, he was at GalaxyCon Richmond, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. gotta go meet him. Um, what's yeah. your What's your favorite convention you've been to? Boy, I I that's a tough one because a couple times I've done the really big Comic Con down in in San Diego like 150,000 people there or something and they treat me real well and a couple of times I've done anime expo in Los Angeles for Digimon that those were for Digimon and had Q&As and screenings there in fact one of those Q&As is on the bonuses of one of the Tri movies but I don't remember which one and one of the later ones fourth or fifth one I think and I'm going to say my favorite was one that I did last year it was it was for where was that um edinburgh it was in edinburgh scotland you know edinburgh like the edinburgh fringe festival yeah that was my favorite i just had such a blast first of all i like the accents and i was posting all kinds of ridiculous videos running around scotland doing the accent but also the whole theme of that comic-con was akira and they commissioned poster art for it and they had me introduce the movie and everything i'd never been to a comic-con where everything was centered around one of my shows so that was pretty awesome and i really loved the city and seeing the castle the castle that inspired uh, dumbledore's hogwarts and harry potter you know they, like yeah. jk rowling actually sat there in the coffee shop staring up at the castle in edinburgh and i went to that castle it was awesome That's- <laughs> i'm a big harry potter fan yes well, yeah, I mean, Harry Potter's incredible, and that castle, that must have been super cool to visit. Yeah, it was cold, windy, chilly. Oh. A bit, it was a bit brisk. <laughs> oh. It's a bit nippy. But that that's cool that they had a convention centered around Akira. Like, yeah. Especially in Scotland. Like, what, do you know why it was in Scotland? They're fans, and also uh, they said Akira's supposed to take place this year. So oh. that made sense to me. I'm like, all right, book the ticket. I'm there. <laughs> oh, that's all. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. Is it? Yo, that's dope. But um, so if they ever did like a Digimon convention, would you be down to for something like that? You know, there's there is one in England that has reached out to me several times, and for some reason it's never come together. I don't know why. But hopefully, once the world gets back to having events and things, I would do that at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Dude, that would be super cool to see like you and the rest of the cast at a Digimon convention. But uh, just just a few more questions. What was your yeah. favorite um, favorite scene that you recorded from Digimon? Hmm. Hmm. All right. I mean, maybe this is an easy gimme on it, but I'm going to have to say scene one, episode one, first season, when Ty is sitting in the tree talking about you know, we were all just hanging out at summer camp and suddenly these digivices yeah. fell out. We were all just hanging out at summer camp and suddenly these digivices fell out of the sky. Yeah, because it, it really set the tone for the whole show and there was just this innocence about it. And it, also it was like ahead of its time because this was during the birth of the internet when people like barely had email yet. There was no social media or anything and they're talking about the struggle between the digital world and the real world. And, you know, how can we find balance between them? I talk about it. Actually, I, I should mention I wrote a book, a book called Finding Focus, 
in a finding focus in a changing world. But at one point I was going to say finding focus in a digital world because the idea. Yeah, that, that was the working title of it. I just didn't think enough people would get what I was talking about. But the, the focus book that I wrote is about the struggle of Digimon, which is like how to find balance between the real world and the digital world. And so now, 20 years later, we are all experiencing that. But back then, it was just sort of like an artistic conception. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think this reboot is going to be really cool because Digimon now has got so much more to play with technologically-wise and how much more yeah. than 1999. So definitely Digimon was ahead of its time. Yeah, animated more interesting Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the next one's gonna have to be Digimon Plague Edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> My Digimon died of dysentery. No. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Digimon Corona Boramon. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh, that would be a great name. Oh man. <laughs> Chris, what's your favorite Digimon moment with Ty? Greymon, War Greymon. What's your favorite moment with those guys? You know, I, I can't pick them. They're, they're all great. Digimon, in my opinion, is like my number one anime, like of all time. It's just that high for me. I was, I was like three when it came out. Yeah. Oh God, make me feel old. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Wow. All right. My bad. Thanks for that. I think uh, him versus Black War Greymon and, uh, you know, that first Digivolution when the angels hit you guys and then just the warp Digivolve. Because we didn't know there was a level past Ultimate until it just happened. And then we're like, oh. Wait, wait, hold hold on. Hold on a second there. There's a level past Ultimate? Yeah, the Mega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you know. (laughs) So you got the 90s, like, 3D CGI going on. I've never watched any of them. I have no idea. Oh, <gasps> that one. This one I've watched. A lot of my stuff I haven't watched, but obviously Digimon. Okay, I, I know a lot of actors that don't watch their stuff. Like we're Power Ranger, but most Power Rangers. I make so don't. much. Like who's got the time? Yeah. Us nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the nerds of the world. Right. Well, before I didn't have the time because I was recording it. Right to mm-hmm. to be able to watch it. Right. And although I do have a big stack of DVDs downstairs that my kids will eventually make their way through and I will see in the periphery, you know, and then I was out touring and doing shows and stuff. And like, it's not like I'm going to like bring it with me. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, now I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just doing, I am. It's on to the next thing. I'm on to the next thing. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of the next thing, what, what do you have planned? Like after all this quarantine stuff ends? Yeah. Well, I had kind of, (laughs) What's he dancing around? I had kind of teed that up earlier. And I'm really excited about this, honestly. For years at Comic-Cons, mostly when people would get past the questions about the making of stuff, it was, how can I be a voice actor? Mm -hmm. And they always want to skip the most important part. They're always like, how can I get an agent? How can I make money? How can I get a booking? You know, stuff like that. They never want to actually get trained. So then... What good is it to do all of that stuff when you don't know what the heck you're doing with your own voice? So I I looked around and I noticed that the training is all about that other stuff at the end of the process. And there's not a foundational training in what I call how to use your instrument. And that is the the training that I'm putting together. It's going to be very accessible. The price point is going to be low. I'm not trying to like sell people for thousands of dollars. I don't care. I just want to get this information out to people 
in in a way that helps them whether they want to be a voice actor or even if you just want to use it to advance your own career because it's a leadership skill it's a sales skill to know how to speak with confidence to know how to be a magnetic speaker to know how to draw in the listener these are good skills to have whether or not you use it for a commercial or something or a voiceover toastmaster right now okay yeah well no it is you know i never did toastmaster but i'm a professional member of the national speakers association and these are the skills People, uh, they forget that you you need training. There is an actual skill set. It's just because you know how to talk doesn't know that you know doesn't mean that you know how to interpret copy. It doesn't mean that you have sort of flexibility to your voice or that you can sustain a character over a long period of time. This is all the stuff that I'm going to be teaching in an online course, and then after that, people will have access to me through uh, like a like a Zoom, basically where we yeah. can see each other and i can critique their performances and put them in a hot seat that so that's going to be the when training. does this kick off I, this is i first customer I'm, right here yeah i am i'm putting it together right now and by the time this comes out it'll be right i don't know how many weeks till you put this out but like i'm developing it right now in quarantine that's why i'm saying jump on these live streams these youtube live streams that i'm doing because i'm answering questions from people and the feedback is helping me to develop the course that's what I'm doing I'm, now. I'm about it. I, I really yeah. am. I've had a big interest in it. I used to do Bang Zoom. Uh, I worked for Sam Ellis, who's the uh, one of the co-creators of the TV show Archer. Okay. Uh, Chris yeah, Sabin, both, got to right. talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. So I've really been into it and want to do it. Of course, you know, I did military. And that's the thing. People tell you, like, the fame and glory of it. But it's like, well, what's the actual working space? You know, you talk to somebody that's had a career, not just, like, lucked into something or, you know, uh, I booked something online for 50 bucks. No, like an actual career. They've got training. They've yeah. trained their voice. Not And everybody just wants to go like, how do I get an agent? How do I get booked? You know, take a step back. All right. I, I am. All of us are like, I'm a over 20 year overnight success or 10 year overnight success. Something it doesn't need to take you that long. Of course it did take me that long though. Cause like I told you, I had, I had thousands of hours on stage performing and singing and developing my voice. And I had vocal coaches during this time. And then I went to a film, TV and radio program for four years in New York city. And then I had more training out in Hollywood. I had a coach that teaches opera singers about postural awareness and how to open up your resonant, your chest resonance and how to place your voice so that, you know, you can go in different places. This is all stuff that I'm going to teach. That took took me years and many untold thousands of dollars to learn, but I'm going to sort of synthesize it all, make it it, like very bite-sized, easily accessible now because we have the technology and we have the time. uh, Screaming man number three. I'm your guy. I could totally feel screaming (laughs) man number three. You know, you'd be, you'd be surprised even to do the screaming stuff. Like I've done on video games, you do need to place your voice or you'll get vocal nodes. You'll lose your voice. You'll strain your voice, that sort of thing. So I, I was doing Gimli in the Lord of the Rings video games uh, he sounds like this on my axe he's got this kind of a sound it's really raw and guttural and imagine having to do that for four hours for oh, four hour recording session and then go do other stuff yeah you could really rip up your voice if you don't know how to place it yeah absolutely well so, I'm, I'm you must learn the fundamentals Yes. See, and that's why I listen to uh, voice acting mastery because, like, I, I hear about people being like, "Oh, I need an age, and I need I need to get booked." And I'm like, "Okay, but I never I've never taken an acting class a day in my life." I'm like, "Where do I start?" And I feel like this is fate because now, as soon as you drop that class, I'm gonna sign up. Cool. 
All right. Well, uh, follow me on the, you know, there's no link yet cause I'm making it, but you could be, you guys, the people that find out about it in the YouTube live stream will be in the first group that get the first peek at it while I'm developing it. So, so just look up Joshua Seth on YouTube, subscribe to those or follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Cause I'm announcing them on those two platforms as they arrive. Hell yeah, man. Thank you for that information. I love people that are successful and then want to help other people be successful. Yeah. That's what it's about. Well, That's okay. Now, let me say something else. Sometimes people that are in the business, they hold back because they don't want to make competitors, right? It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it pays to, it pays <laughs> to, to learn from someone who has been there, but also has moved past it. So like, there's nothing, there's nothing in me. Want, I don't want to hold any secrets in and also, I'm not trying to like, oh, I want to like, you know, get you for the coaching or you know, like, I, like, I'm just, I'm just going to give the whole thing. Every, you know, everything I know about how to use your voice for this profession or, or for your, in whatever yeah. career you're already engaged in or relationships is the other thing too, you know. Build that confidence up. Yeah. Talk with a purpose. Exactly. Right. You know, not a lot of people going to pick somebody up and talking. <laughs> it's your, mean, person, it's your personality. Your voice is your is how you project your personality. It's how people perceive you and engage with you as well. So it has all those. I knew it has I a lot of benefits. You're a good guy. Thanks, That's man. good stuff. Oh, about, all right. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, yeah man. Thanks for doing it. Chris, yeah. do your thing, man. Um, I guess I'm going to take us on out. Anything uh, you would like to say before we head on out of here? There. And if they play that backward, they will hear the hidden uh, secret message. So go play backwards. backwards at the right speed. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. All I'm going to say about that. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Anime Chronicles. Um, yeah, just go follow Josh. Social media is down in the description below. Uh, go check out our Facebook anime chronicles. Um, we're on YouTube, all that podcast as you should be listening, but we're out. We are out. Yeah, guys. Thank you. And Nerdflex here appreciates too. If you need any personal training or fitness, I'm your nerd. Get it, baby. <laughs> Peace. Peace. <laughs>